Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in. Miller and Condon here on a Monday to Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller, talking sports with you for the next couple of hours. Thanks for spending some of your President's Day Monday here with Trent and I. Tyler Allen is uh, working the show today. Trent from his West Des Moines home studio with a couple of kids who need dad at home today. So Trent will join uh, from his home as we talk sports. BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this. Scott Dockerman, back from his vacation. He will join us at the bottom of the hour. Look forward to catching up with Doc. Uh, at 11.05, Rob Doster from the Field of 68. Certainly uh, very timely that Doster is going to join us with the uh, brouhaha at the end of the Michigan-Wisconsin game yesterday. Get Doster's thoughts. Maybe there'll be some clarity by then, some uh, way of uh, suspensions. We I mean, it's coming. Just don't know when uh, we will get that. But Rob Doster will join us at 11.05. We'll do that. But we'll also go around college basketball because there were some really good stories this weekend uh, in college basketball that sadly, uh, because of the ending, uh, two coaches who just couldn't get uh, get out of their own way uh, decided to make them the biggest story of the weekend, and they were. And then Nick Oson, 11.25, 11.30-ish, covers Iowa State. He will have had an opportunity to, as the Iowa State media will, uh, here this morning they get T.J. Otzelberger. That's why it's best for Nick to join us at 11.30. If there is news coming out of that presser, we will have it uh, with him uh, when he joins us. Trent's Play of the Day, sponsored by Circus Sports. Before we skedaddle out of here, at noon. Trent Condon, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. And Ken, it was a weekend that I don't know if it could have gone better for the in-state teams. Yeah, really? That blowout victories for every single one of them in different capacities, important wins for regular season titles, for NCAA tournament positioning. It was a thing of beauty. Had state wrestling, a, a great cap of things, finished off with an incredible match at heavyweight in Class 3A. Got me revved up after being on the air for four straight hours uh, right at the end there. It was a, a great state tournament once again. Southeast Polk with another championship, their first since 2017. So many great storylines. It is an incredible tournament. It's done right every single year. Love to call that, as you know, Ken, one of my favorite things to do over the course of the year, what I call a ton of games, the state wrestling tournament. It's different. It's great. It's wonderful. And uh, so happy to be able to bring it to the airwaves over those three days, uh, both on KXNO and 96.9 The Bull. Great time. And I'm ready to roll here from the home studios. And little man, he's watching Toy Story right now. And uh, the neighbors decided that Ella could come over and play. So made things a little bit easier here on President's Day Monday with no daycare for the kids. I got you. Well, um, you know, if you, if you have to, Jack's first. So if Jack, if Jack needs dad, you just uh, let me know and we'll uh, we'll uh, carry on. All right. So we'll get to Doc at the bottom of the hour, talk to some Hawks. I mean, Trent, uh, as you mentioned, I think that, yes, the biggest story from the weekend was clearly at the end of the Wisconsin-Michigan game. But you know what? Wasn't uh, As you mentioned, there were four. You really meaningful basketball games. Well, you know what? The Iowa women had a big win, so did the Iowa State women. It's too bad you and I, Drake, played each other because one of them was going to lose, or we could have had a perfect slate, an 8-0 slate, if you will. Um, 
But man, oh man, Trent, uh, Iowa State putting it to Oklahoma. Iowa going on the road as a dog. And Iowa State was the only favorite of the four. Drake pounding Loyola in a game that, my God, I never thought it was going to end. 40-something free throws in the second half alone in that game. And then um, yesterday, the Panthers... They just kicked the crap out of Mo State and did so right from the beginning. It's 8-0, 8-2, like 14-4, something like that, and they never gave them a chance. And Mosley, who I know you love, you've been singing his praises since before the Valley season even started. I mean, he had 40-something in their first game of the year. They held him to six. Um, just an incredible weekend for the uh, for the big four. It, it really was, and so many different directions to go with it. You and I now sitting in the top spot in the MVC. They were expected to be contenders, and that slow start in the non-conference, I think a lot of people kind of forgot about the Panthers and just how good this team could be. A.J. Green working his way back off those hip injuries and maybe hasn't played a level consistently throughout the year. Some people expected after the season that he had during his freshman campaign, but he's been very good offensively that team is playing at such a high level and it's funny uh, of course we hear a lot about Nick Nurse and what he's done with the Raptors and what he does offensively you know he's helped Ben Jacobson and there's been times that they've got together and worked on the offense and you think of the old Ben Jacobson teams uh, they're going to be rough and tough and defense guard you pack line defense and that's yeah that's what it's going to be but now they also have a very efficient offense on top of they don't play fast Tempo's not fast, but when they are, they're very efficient in what they do. They've been a fun team to watch, and now they got an opportunity. One more game on the road at Indiana State this week before they have Loyola coming in for the regular season. They very well could win this thing outright they could. if they can get those two victories this week. And you would have said that here just a few weeks back. I think a lot of people would have said that's impossible. And we've had these conversations. We've kind of had these grandiose statements about all four in-state teams. Drake, Roman Penn's not right. It's never going to happen for them. And what do they do? They throttle Loyola. Mm-hmm. You and I, as we said, Iowa, the loss to Michigan, it's going to be devastating. This team's out. They don't have a quad one victory in Iowa State. Can you get in at 6-12? and 12? Well, they're not going to worry about being 6-12, and 12, <laughs> I don't think, at this point in the Big 12 Conference with all those quad one victories. It's been, I think, a better season than we anticipated oh, overall. Oh, by far, by miles. The Big Four. Yes. And, and you couple that with you know, all these teams that – they all have a shot. They all have a shot to get in. Only one, of course, out of the MVC will be able to do that. But we've had, what, two years, I think, where three teams in state have made the NCAA tournament. There's a real possibility that's going to happen again this season. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? I, I'm with you, Trent. I think that, uh, obviously, one of the two uh, in-state Valley teams is going to have to cut down the nets, but the Clones are in, and they've got three games uh, coming up, uh, West Virginia, then K-State, Oklahoma State. Sure, Baylor's going to be tough, but I'm with you. That looks like they're headed to at least... Well, seven, seven wins. I think it's signed for seven, but uh, there's certainly a big chance at eight, so we'll do that. Uh, and Iowa. I think of the of all the – well, I shouldn't say that because I didn't see Drake beating Loyola the way that they did. But the Hawks to go on the road uh, and, and win their game, uh, that was that – was, I mean, it's a, it's a huge win. As you said, it's particularly on the heels of the Michigan loss the other night. Was that a, a death knell? How are they going to come back from this? Michigan State on Tuesday. Have to get one of them. Well, it was a no-doubt-about-it one that they got. I don't know, man. That was a um, – it was a fun watch. wasn't a good listen. It uh, wasn't a good listen. You know me and Gus Johnson. I mean, can he get the Murray kids to? Uh, I mean, if there was only a way to tell him apart, right? Well, hang on a second. They do have numbers on their front and on their back. Um, 
But he had he called it's Chris like they Keegan were twelve and thirteen. Right. It's just uh, it was all day long for for Gus John. He really struggled at that. But the team didn't struggle, and that's the big story that came out of that. Uh, your your takeaways on watching Iowa, on watching Keegan, on watching um, Bohannon. Eulis uh, was terrific in the game. Connor McCaffrey's three. How massive was that? Didn't it feel at the time, Trent, as the shot clock's winding down and the ball's in Connor McCaffrey's hand? You know he has to take that three. That really, to me, was, all right, this game's over at that point. It, it really did. It was, what, did they cut it to six, or was it five at the it time? Was, Whatever yes, it was, yes, right there. There's a little mini run, end of the shot clock, and here goes Connor hoisting one up. And, oh, boy, we know how this is going to end. No. They're going to come right back down, and it's going to be a two-possession game, or maybe even tighter than that if they hit a three. And all of a sudden, he hits that shot. Mm-hmm. It felt like everybody relaxed along with it. And he played such a good game, and he, we, we talk about the negatives, and we hear about the negatives from the fan base and from people in general with Connor so much. But I think the way that this guy has kind of rejuvenated his career and doing it as a backup post-defensive mm-hmm. threat, of course, we know what he can do passing the ball, running the team. Yeah, the shot isn't there. He's got deficiencies offensively, but... If he is out there even playing just a good floor game, yep. what he can do, he was guarding Liddell at times. He mm-hmm. did a good job on that. Running, he had help, but yes. yes. And then, yeah, and his strength, too, that he's able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible for a guy that was a point guard in high school to be able to adjust on the fly and become this kind of player. Yeah, there's deficiencies to his game, no doubt, but don't forget about the positives. And it's not just a three-point shot. He played a really good yep. game. Even before that, settling that team down. When they get twenty-one down 21-10 early in the game, he was part of that group that came in and got Iowa right back in. And I think they brought Chris Murray in, Connor, and I think it might have been Toussaint that came in there after the run from Ohio State early in that game. He was an important part of that one, too. They came back, and it was back and forth throughout the first half. Connor almost had a, another great baseball pass at the end of the yeah, first half geez. as he did in the Michigan game. Yeah, Chris Murray and, missed and it. The shot from Murray yeah. was just short. Yeah, it was. He played... Probably about as well as he can. I mean, I agree. you take that game. If you can sign up for that every single time, you're going to take that out of Connor McCann. No, and there's no doubt about it. You know the other big takeaway from the game? Arns didn't have a point, and he's an Iowa killer, as you've mentioned numerous times. Yes. Uh, and, and he is, and he has been, uh, but he certainly wasn't there. Iowa State, on the other hand, Oklahoma made it close a couple of times. But in the end, it's just uh, as it always is. <laughs> Look, to, to me, it was too much Brockington. Iowa State, to me, looked like Iowa State December, November. Um, this, mm-hmm. te- this, this is the team that, you know, we hadn't seen this, t- this style for whatever reason. Trent, they're diving on the floor. They're, they're going after, uh, rebounds, both on the offensive end. Now they didn't kill them on the offensive glass, but they had, Walker had one huge one. Don't know what he finished with, um, rebounding wise, but I know he had a major, major, um, a factor in that game. And Aruna, in his limited minutes, was good. Even Kalsher making a couple of big shots. Uh, this was an Iowa State team that looked like the Iowa State team with that the nation, quite honestly, took notice of uh, prior to the Big 12 really taking off uh, and its depth showing. It was kind of, kind of a uh, an Iowa State turn-back-the-clock moment. That's what I saw. And they really did a good job keeping Tanner Groves out of the game, mm-hmm. limited his touches. you got to give a lot of credit there to Condit and Koontz inside. You mentioned Aruna, maybe his best game we've seen in what? In a while. weeks out of him. Yep. Yeah, and he's had injuries, of course, and we've talked about that. But he went out there and played at a high level. They were so efficient offensively. It just seemed like they got better shots. And a big part of that is something we talked about a week ago, Ken, and it's the emergence of Tyrese Hunter. 
There's one of two ways it could go for the freshman, and we see this so much. Either guys hitting the wall and it's not going to work out for them or going the other direction. And for Tyrese Hunter, it looks like it's ascending up for him at the end of his freshman campaign. He's playing at a high level. He's getting guys in the right spot. He's going to the rim when need be, not settling for jumpers. That is his game at this point in his career. And if he plays at this level, coupled with what they're doing, and that hustle. Ken, I I think that's a great point here. We've seen this now back-to-back games. Yeah, the offense is still going to be limited at times. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see the performance that we saw Saturday out of this group. But if they're out there grinding, they're working hard, they're diving for those loose balls, this team has a chance, not just to be an NCAA tournament team. With the right draw, this team can make a run because there's going to be teams that go out there and they see them in the tournament and they haven't seen a defensive team like this. Just a bunch of dogs out there going out there and going to grind on you. There's not a lot of teams in college hoops that play that way. No, you're 100% right, Trent, and they certainly were... Uh, it was uh, it was refreshing to see them because they they'd lost this um, this this part of their game, and you you got to want to do it. You got to want to play defense, and they certainly did. Caleb Grill again. You know he didn't shoot the ball. He didn't shoot. He didn't make, take that many shots. But man, oh man, he's a factor when he's. Out. I didn't know he had that part of his game, and it's certainly been on display. Uh, so uh, Drake tonight they've got Indiana State at the Nap Center. That's a seven o'clock tip. I know with obviously tickets will be available for that one. Nice win for Drake. Uh, as they settled the ship a little bit, uh, you and I just, uh, you said it, Trent, they've got an opportunity here to win it outright. They get Loyola Chicago and McLeod Saturday. Yeah, Saturday. Uh, it's a um, dinner time tip. I remember looking it up. Um, Either four, five, or six, somewhere around there. But it's in, I believe it's that time of day. But um, big spot for them. So let's get to Madison and let's uh, discuss what we saw at the end. Uh, just an unfortunate ending. Trent, I, um, I, I kind of felt cheated, right? I watched 38 minutes of that basketball game. Um, oh, and, no. and I, and I turned over. Well, I had been turning over to watch, uh, uh, Drake and most, or, or you and I in most state play, but I did not see the end of the game. And obviously, uh, Twitter lit up and I'm starting to get text messages. Did you see this? Um, but I mean, thankfully Twitter's there, right? And it's on there very quickly. T- to me, I mean, it's, it's all, if, if, what's Juwan Howard doing? Pressing. <laughs> They're down, was it 17, 15? It's, there's 20 seconds left in the basketball game. Both teams have their backups in. You know, one of them's going to walk up over the, over the timeline, dribble the ball out. The game's going to end. You're going to shake, you're going to shake, uh, each other's hands. You're going to go on about the rest of the Big Ten, uh, schedule. This didn't have to happen is the biggest takeaway from that. It did not have to happen. And yes, guard does reach out and touch him. But here's the thing. I have no problem with guard calling the timeout. I don't. If, if Howard doesn't have the press on, and what are they doing at that particular time? Ah, it's a 40 minute game. You'll play till the final whistle. Okay. Maybe if it's a two or a four point game, it's 17 at that point, 15, 17, something like that. Double digits anyways. If Jawan Howard doesn't call a press and Wisconsin's about to turn the ball over, guard doesn't want his, his backups being shown up. So he called the timeout. Uh, and, and he's perfectly within his right to do so because of the fact Jawan Howard is, um, is pressing. Just stand back and wait for them to walk the ball up. The game is over. We don't have this. And unfortunately, this is going to bring an end, in my opinion, to Jawan Howard's season. I don't think it's fireable, but you got to remember, Trent. This is twice in 11 months here. This is twice in 11 months that Juwan Howard has snapped because that's what he did. I would love to know the magic words that the Wisconsin, or maybe he didn't, but 
If um, oh, what's what's uh, crack uh, Krabenhoff, uh, whatever his last name is, Krabenhoff, yeah, Krabenhoff, yeah, Joe Krabenhoff, yep. So I, because you can't see, there's no camera angle, right? We've seen different angles of it, but you can't see his face. And is he talking to Jawan Howard? What what made Jawan Howard strike out um, at Krabenhoff? What what did he say? Did he say magic words? Did he precipitate this? Did he say something that caused that? Or did, did did Howard just blow his stack? Not for the first time, I remind everybody. You're exactly right. This starts with Juwan Howard. And not only the pressing down 17 late in the game, but doing against the reserves, doing it with his starters still out there. Well, I thought That's some of them were on the written rule. I thought a couple of them, I mean, weren't a couple of them on the bed, regardless. Uh, go ahead. You were watching, right. and I wasn't. I turned the channel at that time. So it was, yeah, not not all the starters out there, but there were some starters. There mm-hmm. were some parts that are big. They had rotational players out there while okay. Wisconsin was playing the backups of the backups. Right. It was the walk-ons. The walk-ons. It was the guys, you know, yeah, the 11th and 12th on the bench. Those guys were the ones that were out there, and they were still pressing. They were doing it with impact players, I guess you would say. Good point. Out of well Michigan. Put. There's an unwritten rule. When the team with the lead puts their reserves in, puts those end-of-bench guys in, you reciprocate and you do the same thing. Michigan do, didn't do that. Strike one against Juwan Howard. Secondly, in a 17-point game when a team is willing to let it dribble out, you allow that. You mm-hmm. come back the other way. That is strike two against Juwan Howard. And yes, Greg Gard put his hands on him. Yeah. But the wording from Juwan Howard is what started. He said, I'm not going to forget this. Mm-hmm. And there was another choice word in there. But he said to Greg Gard, I am not going to forget this. And I believe that Gard put his hands on him and said, wait, wait, wait. This now, is what I was doing. right here. Yep. This is why I did this. Mm -hmm. I did this because of what you were doing. He was trying to explain it. The whole get your hands off me thing, it is so juvenile. That's really is. You're trying to have a conversation there. I understand emotions are high, but again, that is strike three on me against Juwan Howard. And that's even before the punch or the open hand slap or whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. was thrown there. There were three negatives to Juwan Howard. There was one, I guess you could say, against Greg Gard. A suspension, absolutely. And I wonder how hard the Big Ten is going to come down. And secondly, if it is light, say it's two games, the Big Ten, hands down. Will Michigan come over top of that and do more? This is a coach. This is a college environment. We talk about the money, and it's all about the money in college athletics and on and on and on. But ultimately, when something like this happens, it comes back to the adults. And the adults in this situation did not respect the situation well. Yeah, that is where you go back to. And I think Michigan, a one of the best public universities in the country, they look at their athletic department as, yes, a leg of their university. If it is a light suspension from the Big Ten, I am going to assume that's not going to be all. That Michigan's going to come down even harder if it turns out to be that way for the Big Ten. I couldn't agree with you more. And I did see the strength, and I, and I wish I could find it. Um, I, I saw it early this morning. Coffee hadn't kicked in. But I'm pretty sure I saw that the most that the Big Ten can do is a two-game suspension and a, I don't know, was a $10,000 fine, something like that. But I agree with you. I think Michigan has to step in. And, and if this would have been the first uh, instance of, of Jawan Howard losing is you-know-what? Mm, you know, maybe you can see that he's back for the Big Ten tournament, but this isn't. This is eleven months ago. This is eleven months ago uh, that 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 he lost it when him and Mark Turgeon had a little bit of a set too. I also agree with you. I think Guard was trying to explain 
what, why he called timeout the way he did and tried to, I don't know, maybe diffuse the situation is not the right word, but certainly let him know this is what I was thinking when, um, when when I called the timeout, because that's a, a behind it apparently, uh, is the is the fact that you know he came out and Juwan Howard said so. Here's the other thing: strike three. How many strikes did you get to with Howard? Three or four? Because I got one more. I got three before right. the slap. Three before the slap. Add one more to it. Let's um, let's bring up the pre- the postseason press conference as well, because clearly he he being Juwan Howard had an opportunity to maybe not diffuse this. But certainly come out and fall on the sword, uh, express a little bit of, um, not sorrow, but he, he should have said that he, contrition. Contrition, yeah, well put. He he should have said that this is I I, I messed up. Like I messed up. It was the heat of the moment. Um, for, I I didn't like what he's doing, but that 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 was uh, in no way should I have. You know, uh, snapped the way that I did. I apologize to the University of Wisconsin. I apologize to the University of Michigan. I will accept any punishment that is coming my way. That would have gone a long way. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't say a word. Um, so there's another strike against him. It was surprising to see almost doubling down in that press conference. You got the cooling off period. You figure, all right, hey, this is a bad look. I, I got to do something here. That's not what he did. You're bringing up that that second time, but even go back to last Thursday. We remember the technical foul in the second half when he picks up the live ball and gets the what they call the level two uh, uh, technical foul. That's why he wasn't ejected. But that technical he got in the first half of the game, he lost his crap on that one, and he wasn't even close to like having a, a merit to to stand on about why he was all fired up. It was clearly off Michigan. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even close over there, and he's freaking out about it and getting a technical foul. This guy, he might need anger management. Yeah. He's, I, I'm, not being, I'm not being a smartass here. There is, there's something that is just a, a little bit off with Juwan Howard when we see this continually happening, two major incidents against other coaches in 11 months, but even that technical, a very benign play, and he just loses it in a tight game late in the first half. You don't see that. You don't see that from Fran McCaffrey. You don't see that from the quote-unquote hothead of coaches. Something seems off with Juwan Howard to me. He's certainly got a short fuse, uh, no doubt about it. Rick wants to chime in. Rick, welcome to the program. Thanks, guys. Um, I didn't watch the game live, and Trent sounds like you did, but the one that confused me is is uh, Howard talked about how the Wisconsin coach touched him or grabbed him, but from what I saw of the replays, Howard like literally grabbed. He grabbed his handful of jury. He grabbed a handful of his pullover. Yeah, yeah. So it, it seems to me once again he he's like just off on his uh, train of events of what really happened. Yeah, Rick, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And there was another point. Didn't uh, didn't uh, Howard say uh, afterwards that somewhere he, he felt like um, not in fear for his life, but um, he he did mention something along those that he thought some. I mean, you're six foot ten. We're crying out loud. How, right. how tall is guard? And guards, I don't know. 5'11". 5'11". I mean, Jesus. Just a terrible, terrible look. Howard could have gone a long way to, you know, smoothing this over in his post after the cooling off period. But he didn't want to do that. Look, guard's going to probably get a suspension for trying to stop Howard as he was going by. Howard says something. I'm with you 100%, Trent. I believe guard reached out to him and said, hey, 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 this is what I was trying to do in this particular moment. This is why I did this. Howard then reaches out, 
grabs him in the middle of his chest with his you know with his hand, twists his pullover, um, and it was on. It was on at that point. And then here, and here's the other thing: there's a couple of these kids from Michigan who I think are probably. You know, headed for some sort of suspension. I mean, Diabati's got to get suspended. He was throwing bombs. Williams was in there right from the get-go. He was standing right over uh, Howard's left shoulder the entire time. One of the Wisconsin players, I think it was Neath maybe, um, he's a bench player, but he was kind of involved. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there's player suspensions, Diabate, Williams for Michigan, maybe Neath for Wisconsin. I think Gard will probably get caught up in this because he did, you know, reach out to try and stop him. Not, a, I don't think it was any a show of malice, but he did. I guess you can make that point that yeah, he did touch you, and you're not allowed to touch each other, whatever. Um, but then, I mean, Juwan Howard, and and what did the assistant say? What if anything did the assistant coach say uh, in that part? What did Krabenhoff say that made Juwan Howard uh, reach out and strike him, punch, slap, whichever way he struck him is what he did? I want to know that. Matt Norlander of CBS Sports, who we have on the program every few weeks here during college basketball season, he talked to Joe Krabenhoff after the game. He looked for a quote. And Joe uh, just said, Krabenhoff said that he was going to let the both coach guard and the athletic department handle all that. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to come out with a statement or, or give his version of the story, at least, to Norlander. So people have reached out. I'm sure ultimately we're going to find that. That has to be a part of this conversation. You're right. What word was it? What Was it something from... One of the buzzwords that can flip people off and have them freak out? Was it something deeper than that? That's what we don't know. I think that will tell a lot about how this escalated and just how bad of a look it was for Juwan Howard, or if at the very least he has a little bit of leeway. Because right now, I mean, this is 98-2 in terms of percentile. 98% Juwan Howard, 2% yeah, for yeah. me, Greg Gard, the Wisconsin side of things. This is almost all Juwan Howard. Yeah, I, I agree with you. So they've got, how many games have they got left? Uh, I'm looking right now. They've got five, five. games left. Um so he's he's clearly got to be, don't you think, done for the end of the regular season? I'm with you. If if the Big Ten can only uh, suspend a coach for two games, then I think Michigan has to get involved. Does he come back for the – I mean, is he done for the year? Would you suspend him for the – I wouldn't fire him. For, let me clear that up first. Would you fire him? I would not. I would not either, no. But I, I think there needs to be more than just a suspension, too. It needs to be – anger management, yeah, those kind of things. Crazy. I think that's a real part yes. of the conversation. And I, Usually those kind of things are very flippant, uh, whatever. I think this is necessary. I think this is absolutely necessary for Juwan Howard. I would be, is he back for the Big Ten tournament? Maybe. Mm. You know, I was thinking if they get two games from the Big Ten, that'll happen. Michigan tacks on two more games, kind of doubles it, if you will. But then he'd come back for the regular season finale, which is at Ohio State. Are we sure we really want Juwan Howard coming back and having his first game back be in Columbus with the hatred between those two teams? Yeah, it's not football, it's basketball, still. but the hatred still runs pretty deep there. Maybe just allow him to come back for the Big Ten tournament, and that's a lot. I would be surprised if it is for the remainder of the season, though, if he's not back for the Big Ten tournament. Mm-hmm. Could be wrong on that one, and now we just await word. I'm sure the Big Ten in Michigan, they've been talking a lot here over the last, what, 20 hours or so. Indeed. Scott Dockerman will join us next. We'll get his take on this, catch up with Doc. I look forward to doing that. Rob Doster, 
Can you text Doster Trent? Make sure he's good. We need him this morning at 11.05. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, scheduled to join us. Field of 68. By the way, Steve Prohm is really good on that. He's really good. I watched that Saturday night almost religiously. Well, the last three Saturdays anyway, so I guess you could clarify that way. Um, we will talk to Rob Doster, also Nick Olson on Iowa State. Miller and Condon underway on a Monday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. On a Monday, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, Trent Condon and Ken Miller, Tyler Allen producing this morning. Let's get uh, right to our next guest, our first guest of the week. He's Scott Dockerman back from vacation and he joins us. Doc, Trent and Ken, thanks for coming in. How was vacation? Doc, rested and recharged and ready to go? Yeah, probably busier than it is during (laughs) the week. Uh, You know, enjoyed my trip to San Francisco and got to see a lot of different places that I've never been to and now I'm kind of mentally recharged and ready for you know a big big stretch run of a few weeks here for Iowa sports indeed so when you're when you're on vacation do you just go we get on the airplane thing boy I hope nothing major happens don't you just want to get away from everything and then you had O'Keefe and I know there's a couple of other uh things maybe that uh, brought you back to your laptop did uh, did you have to do any work while you were gone when the O'Keefe stuff hit all I did was I posted something short about that. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pull off. I mean, you just can't do that every every week when something happens like that. Now, if I was home with a staycation, sure. And I've done that several times. But in this case, I was like, well, you know, this is my wife and I, our first uh, vacation in 20 years to, with each other to go to San Francisco. Um, Ken O'Keefe leaving the Hawkeyes doesn't, doesn't exactly pull me away. You got your priorities straight. Well, Doc, let's go. Let's start with what we saw at the end of the Michigan Wisconsin game. Uh, how do you think the big, how do you think Michigan will handle this? And what do you think the Big Ten? Do you know, are there parameters as to, as to what the severity of any punishment, uh, that they decide that uh, is coming Juwan Howard's way? Do they have limits what they can do, Doc? Do you know? Yeah, there is. Um, without looking at the rule book specifically in front of me, um, you know, there's a $10,000 fine that can be associated plus, uh, I believe up to two games suspension by the two or three by the league itself. And then the rest of it will be, uh, based on what the, uh, the school decides to do. And I think that's going to be interesting because I don't know that when, I don't know we've seen many coaches go after other coaches like that on the floor at the end of it, you know, in the handshake line. I mean, we've seen some arguments. I mean, Iowa and Illinois have had several of those, but, but we haven't seen actual punches thrown. And, and just knowing that it's coaches and head coaches at that, you know, I, I think that something needs to be probably stronger. I, my guess is that probably a minimum he'll miss three games, and uh, I, I'm anxious to see what Michigan ends up deciding to do in conjunction with the Big Ten. In a way, Kevin Warren, I think, kind of almost gets off easy in this, Doc, because there is the max two-game suspension. There's a $10,000 fine. Can't do anything more than that. And a lot of people are still looking at Kevin Warren and wondering, after the tumultuous start he got off to as commissioner of the Big Ten, exactly what it is. His hands are tied here, and probably a good thing for him because he can't upset the Michigan people. He can't under- upset the national media and just Big Ten fans in general because, hey, this is all I can do. Kind of easy, ultimately, for Kevin Warren, isn't it? If it's from a strict Big Ten point of view, yes. And even then, I think you've got to you've got to show some backbone when it comes to this. And 
And if uh, and and probably in Michigan, that's where Michigan's uh, going to have to come out stronger. You know, Wade Manuel's going to have to uh, figure out do multiple games beyond this matter. I mean, is he going to have to? Uh, uh, you know, are they going to have to suspend him further, or is it a matter of he? Um, you know, the two games is enough, and and he promises to be nicer. I don't know. So. Uh, we'll find out a little bit more. I'm sure, you know, probably by the end we, by the end of this uh, conversation, I can see something being released about that. Yeah, I certainly hope so. So, Doc, let's get into what we saw on, on Saturday on the uh, in Columbus after uh, Michigan comes in here and knocks the Hawks off. The Abate was unbelievable. He didn't do anything in the Wisconsin game yesterday until the very end. Uh, that's how we remember his game yesterday. But he was certainly good last week. So the Hawks go on the road, very difficult spot going into Columbus, trying to win a basketball game liddell is one of the best players in college basketball i thought they had a terrific plan doc as to how they were going to limit him and they certainly did that i mean you'd sign for him just putting up 15 points uh in 35 minutes uh they were all over him it was good to see the effort uh that the hawks put out defensively uh when it came down to shutting down as best you can one of the best players in college basketball yeah i think that's that's one of those things where uh, you, with Iowa, you never really expect them to win with defense, but I think that's what really spurred them the other day. Not only uh, just the way they played Liddell, but the whole team, because Ohio State is a, is a, going to be a tournament team. It's a good team, and and uh, the way they they really help, uh, defended against the three, I thought was really impressive too. But then how they turned that defense into offense, and one among the things people don't really look at too closely with Iowa is. I mean, Iowa is, um, you know, number one in the, in the Big Ten and in steals and, and turnover margin and assisted turnover ratio. So they, you know, for as much as people get on Iowa about sometimes it's on ball pressure to get, you know, 7.7 steals per game is a big deal. And the other day I thought that, you know, their on ball defense was really good. And, and, uh, to get this win, I think was just vital. Because not that I Iowa just didn't really have a signature win all year. It didn't have any quad one wins, and and uh, and so this was the first win over a ranked opponent. So I think in some ways it kind of justifies where they are in the net and and uh, their NCAA tournament chances. Doc, uh, you hate to pick nits with an All American, but Keegan Murray great in the first half. Had twenty, not a whole lot in the second half. Now other guys stepped up as they pulled away and got the win, but. Keegan Murray, there's going to be still moments this year where they're going to need him. Do you do you still have concerns about there's times that he kind of floats, he drifts to the outreaches of the offense because this team needs buckets out of him? Your thoughts on especially the second half out of Keegan? Oh, not really. I mean, he had, what, 20 before halftime and four in the second mm-hmm, half. Yep. And, and he was, you know, he, there was a little bit of a stretch there where he didn't really, he, I mean, he was on the bench first, but and then when he got in, he wasn't doing much. But then I thought the, the back-to-back possessions that really changed the tenor of the game and put, gave Iowa complete control were dunks by both Keegan Murray and Chris Murray. And when Keegan drove the, the, lane, uh, drove the lane against four defenders and threw up a dunk, that just told me how special he is. And, and, and looking at, you know, and analyzing his numbers, I mean, you know, these – on one of only two players in the last 30 years to, to average more than 23 points, eight rebounds, two blocks, hmm. 1.3 steals, and 56% from the floor. So 
he's he's doing a lot, and it's 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 a team game. So other people are going to have to step up. I'm not concerned at all about him. I think he gets better, and it's just a matter of uh, a couple of other players um, filling in because that's what they're going to need. And you know, because everybody's going to mark him, and, and he's still getting his points. It's just a matter of marking him. When and if Jordan Bohannon can hit threes, or, or Patrick McCaffrey can you know, be able to do his thing. You know, if you didn't watch the game and just looked at the box score, you'd be, well, what the hell's Connor McCaffrey playing 21 minutes for? And I get the, you <laughs> see that a lot. Doc, he had a, I thought he had a major, major impact on the, uh, on this basketball game. I mean, his three, that's, you know, take that frame and put it over there. And that was a huge turning point in the game, but that wasn't his only good moments in the game. I thought he played exceptionally well, um, for what he does. He's got a, he's got a role on this team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Yes, scoring, uh, any scoring you get out of him is probably going to be a bonus. But uh, but Connor McCaffrey deserved to be on the floor. I thought I know he gets a lot of criticism, and a lot of it's because his last name is McCaffrey, after all. Uh, but I thought Connor McCaffrey had a big role. <laughs> I don't know that there's another player who plays with the amount of bailing wire and sheet metal that that he does, based on his you know two hip surgeries in the yeah. off season, his uh, injured shoulder. Um, but he's one of the great traffic cops that Iowa's ever had mm-hmm. um, on the floor because he directs it so well. He knows the game. And if that's what he decides to do, and I know that's been discussed at, at nauseum, and, and how Margaret doesn't want him to do it, and Fran thinks he'd be good at it, if he decides to become a coach, he's going to be an outstanding coach. I think probably ultimately have more success than his father. But uh, but he do, he knows the game so well. He knows how to play. He does have a level of toughness that really is contagious. And, yes, his uh, offensive abilities to score is what people notice most, and he does do an awesome job of that, let's say. But I I think everything else he does do, um, you know, an engineer's victory. You know, he's kind of like that quarterback that's a, a game manager type. You know, doesn't get you beat, but knows how to put everybody in the right places, and I think that's the way he is on the floor. So it's Michigan State tomorrow night, and Luca Garza will have his jersey retired. Him along with a couple other former players, Roy Marble amongst them, uh, will see their names up in the rafters. It should be a really cool moment there. A little bit of surprise though. Still sounds like plenty of tickets available for that. It's a six o'clock start. You don't got the late start at least. But what's the reason? Why is the reason that still feels like this fan base still maybe keeping this basketball team at arm length? Yeah. That- it, it's it's a finicky fan base at times when it comes to Iowa and and some of the differences. I mean, you know, the, there's a lot of uh, build up over the years, and you know, there it's a six o'clock start. And believe me, I've heard every reason slash excuse over the last fifteen plus years is well, at, at eight o'clock it's too late. I got to go to work, and at six o'clock it's too early. I got I can't get there because of work, and and so you have the combination of those two things working against them, but. Um, you know, six o'clock is not advantageous in that area. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans are from the Des Moines area, as we know, and, and they can't get over to weeknight games very easily. So I, I don't know. You know, it, it's been a few days now, and we'll see what happens between, you know, now and, and tip off. I would expect there to be close to a sellout. And if there isn't, well, they'll survive. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's a good opportunity to really celebrate Luca Garza, Chuck Darling, Murray Weir, and, and Roy Marble, because I do think. The, the Iowa has been has done a poor job over the years in celebrating its basketball history, which is very rich. 
And I think this helps in that way. And I think they just need to continue down that path because that's the way you bring fans closer to the fold is, is to give them kind of that red meat. And, and remembering some of the great old days is something to do that. Uh, Scott Dockman from The Athletic is our guest. Doc, uh, we started with Ken O'Keefe briefly. Let's get back to it. Uh, what will his legacy be at Iowa, Doc? How will you remember Ken O'Keefe's tenure at the University of Iowa? Um, you know, Ken, you know, he's got kind of a dual legacy there, you know, of sorts. You know, one is that, you know, he was there when, um, you know, with Kirk at the very, very beginning. And then the second part is he came back. And, and I think in some ways he's helped stabilize the offense. I know people, uh, you know, there's a lot of statistics that really bear that it wasn't a, a great opportunity for or didn't do a great job. But, but when you look at what Nate Stanley threw, 68 touchdown passes in three years, that's pretty good. And, and uh, the, the tight end development, Iowa was not throwing to the tight end under the Greg Davis era. I mean, they were going outside slow um, and trying to th- make a you know power forwards turn into point guards on the outside. And and I think he did bring back some really good things there. Now I'll say this, you know, that they they've underdeveloped at quarterback, and that's probably why this change is happening. And uh, what they need to do in the future. But uh, overall, I think his impression upon the program is pretty good. Last thing for you, uh, for me, Doc, and it deals with the future of the Big Ten and, of course, the TV right deals, CBS getting involved, NBC making a doubleheader with Notre Dame and them in the football side of things. Ultimately, we know the money is going to be there in a big-time way. Jim Delaney hit a home run again as he signed just a six-year deal back in 2017. Ultimately, how do you think this thing's going to shake out? Bring out your crystal ball for us. Without making a, a direct com, uh, prediction, yes, the Big Ten is going to be the big winner come 2023. I mean, you know, this is the last year coming up for its uh, right deal. And uh, with ESPN going all in with the SEC, that leaves CBS and NBC uh, to an extent vulnerable and open to, to looking at suggestions. And the Big Ten guarantees you several um, games of, of value um, with high ratings and and CBS by not having the SEC in the future is going to need that and uh, so the Big Ten's guaranteed there and if you if so I would not be a bit surprised to see CBS and the CBS Sports Network cable affiliate um, latch on to maybe second tier rights the way ESPN has and and from what it sounds like that NBC would like something to funnel its Notre Dame coverage into and the Big Ten also provides that opportunity. So if you're the Big Ten, you're staring at two major um, networks that, that are interested in, provi- in in showcasing you in different times. You know, you, you look at Fox, and if Fox keeps it, which I, I'm sure it will, um, you've got the Big Noon territory, which is was a godsend for ratings, and then potentially mid-afternoon with the CBS replacing the SEC, and maybe a, a week uh, a primetime kickoff every week on NBC. And mm. I mean, you're blanketing everything. You're the NFL then. So I, I think that's something that's very much possible. I, I, I don't think ESPN will completely shut it down, though. But I also think that the Big 12 needs to really investigate it, too, because it has a good product to offer. And, 
and perhaps totally agree. might provide it with an opportunity. I'm with you, Doc. I think there's a, I think there's an opportunity there for him, but certainly uh, the Big Ten is going to cash in. Will that maybe be one of your primary focuses? Uh, because they seem to turn to you, the athletic does, when it comes to scheduling. Are you working on – I know you got your mailbag open, and it was chock full of questions last week, and you've got another one. You're soliciting questions. Uh, what, are, what else have you got going on this week at the athletic for us subscribers or perhaps uh, folks that are still on the fence? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing right now kind of a, a look back at the 2018 class uh, of Iowa football and just how it became one of the best ones in Iowa history. And I'm writing that right now for tomorrow. We'll just see what happens this afternoon. And then uh, also, I'm also going to do basketball tomorrow night and, uh, you know, got a couple other stories I'm working on. And then I'll be at the Combine all next week. Nice. Not only doing Iowa stuff, but everything else. Good stuff. Doc, thank you. Uh, glad you're back. I hope you had a great vacation. Uh, that, that the, what's the street? What's the name of the street with all the, the, all the turns, the winding street in San Francisco? Oh my God. Lombard. That's Lombard. it. Did you drive down it by chance? No, I just looked up at it in in snobby fashion because <laughs> second crookedest street in the world. Yeah, Steak, everybody knows Steak Alley in Burlington's number one, and I won't even engage <laughs> in that argument. Good stuff, Doc. Thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. Glad you had a good vacation, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Scott Dockerman from the Athletic. That's really uh, if you're ever in San Francisco, pretty cool opportunity uh, to do the more the world's most crooked street, second, I guess now. Didn't know, wasn't aware of the one in Burlington, Trent. Apparently there is one. We'll come yeah, back. Yeah. Is there one? There really heard, is. I, I haven't spent. There is, yeah. I haven't spent much time in Burlington. I've never uh, been to the street. But, yes, I've heard many people from down there in southeast Iowa say, hey, Lombard Street something. You haven't seen anything, though, until you've seen that street in Burlington. I will make this prediction. Uh, and I haven't been to Burlington. I have been on Lombard Street. I'm guessing the real estate on Lombard Street's a tad higher. <laughs> Uh, than it is in Burlington. Um, it's just some of the houses on that street. Unreal. Anyways, we'll come back, wrap up the hour. Miller and Condon will start hour two with Rob Doster from the Field of 68. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back. Final couple of minutes of the first hour of the program. Rob Doster from the Field of 68 kicks off hour number two. Nick Oson uh, covers Iowa State. He's finishing up with T.J. Otzelberger's press conference. Him and the rest of the Iowa State media, he will join us about 1130. Trent, um, is, is basketball crazy as it was this weekend? Um, I kind of like to think that we got a pretty good handle on what's going on. Did you know the Daytona 500 was yesterday? I did. Did you? Uh, I did. And the only, the only reason that I did is because I got one of those updates promo things from one of the sports oh, books. I can't remember which one it yeah, was. Yeah. And said you get a, I don't know, it was like a fifty percent profit boost on it. So yeah, I threw a couple bucks down. Didn't watch a lap though. Didn't even get into it. I did watch a little NBA All Star game last night, including the conclusion. I had a good time watching that. Better than. That I remember most NBA All Star games watching. I enjoyed that one last night. No, yeah, we're totally the opposite. I didn't see a single minute of the NBA All Star game. I'll only watch MLB's All Star game, and that's kind of kicking and screaming just because there's nothing else on. I watched uh, probably I don't know the last uh, forty five minutes or something of the Daytona uh, five hundred, but I did not know it was on. Honestly, I didn't until I saw some. Tw- In fact, the first uh, I think I saw Chris Williams making his picks on Twitter, and that's when I realized oh, okay. oh, that, that's today. I, I didn't even know that anyways um 
hour number two. We will get into Rob Doster. He'll kick off the hour. Nick Olson on Iowa State. They've got West Virginia coming up on Wednesday. Big spot for the clones as they try and take care of the home floor. And um, before they head to K-State over the weekend, then Oklahoma State and Baylor wraps things up. Second hour of Miller and Condon on a Monday coming up next. Oh, a Trent's Play of the Day sponsored by Circus Sports before we get out of here as well. Miller and Condon, an hour to go on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.